Welcome to Radio Menea. My name is Vera Valletti Flores. And I'm Miriam Soila Perez. And on this podcast, we bring you a mix of mainstream and alternative Latinx jams based on a different theme each episode. But this episode, we're doing things a little bit differently because we're presenting you with some of the classics of Latino music. Yes. Basically, who came before? Who are the masters? Who laid the groundwork for some of the cool shit that we're seeing today. Yeah. So we won't be kind of sticking to our usual, like, Veto brings all alternative music and I bring all bachata, basically. <laughs> but um, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be mixing it up a little bit and going back to, like, the 30s through 70s to bring you some of the, the legends of these genres that we love. And right now what you're listening to is something I'm sure all of you recognize and it's by one of the real originals. Um, his name is Richie Valens, and it's La Bamba. And Richie Valens, a.k.a. Richard Valenzuela, mm-hmm. had a really short life and a really short career, but it's really left a huge impact Yeah, totally. uh, on yeah, his legacy is, and his music is still regularly heard today. Yeah. Yeah, true. So Richie Valens was so young. He was basically just a kid when um, he was sort of discovered uh, by the record industry. Uh, he's a kid from L.A., from a mixed black neighborhood in the San Fernando Valley. Um, when this Hollywood record label owner, Bob Keen, uh, came to check him out and he was just in high school and eventually got him in the studio to record some demos. And when they decided that they had enough material and he was ready, they got him with a full band and recorded his first couple of songs, which were pretty successful. So they went in to record a couple more, and that's where La Bamba was recorded, and also Donna, um, which were two of his most successful recordings and also, sadly, his two last recordings. Yeah, yeah. So that last like double A side was a huge hit. It sold over a million copies. It got like a gold disc, which is I think just truly remarkable considering that La Bamba is in Spanish, mm-hmm. right? right? And it's um in the 50s. So La Bamba is like a traditional Mexican song. It's a Mexican folk song from Veracruz. It's, you know, originally Son Jarocho and Richie Valens sort of re-imagined uh, it as a rock and roll song. Right. Um, and it's, I think, really incredible that it became as big of a hit as it did in like 1958. Right. I mean, in some ways it's really... Uh an American song, but in Spanish, right? Like if you think about the, yeah. the way that he changed the music, it doesn't have a lot of the classic song, Son Jarocho Well, sound, it right? is. It's absolutely an American song yeah. in the sense that immigrants are part of the right. fabric of True. this country and True. that that song could only be a product of a country like this, right? right? It could only be a product of a Mexican kid with immigrant parents living in a mixed black and Mm. Latino neighborhood, bringing his like Mexican folk songs to what is a 
you know, a black American art form, right? Rock and roll is a black American art form. I'd be totally remiss not to mention that. Hopefully something that most of y'all know by now, but because of cultural appropriation by the likes of like Elvis and many people after him, um, that's not necessarily what people think of when they think of rock and roll. Right. But yeah, so this this song is very, very American in that way. Yeah. It's like it could only be a product of here. Right. Very true. Yeah. So he, as probably many of you know, Richie Valens died in, on this incredibly infamous plane crash along with Body Holly and the Big Bopper. It's um, sometimes called The Day the Music Died after that like song from the 70s. I was reading about Richie Valens and that the plane crash specifically, and he uh, won a coin toss to like be on the plane because mm. apparently they were like on the middle of a tour in the Midwest and it, the conditions were really bad on tour on the buses. Like it was really cold. Everybody mm. was like catching the flu and like, oh, you know, people had to be treated for frostbite. Like the conditions oh on God. tour buses were not good frostbite? back then. So. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So then they chartered a plane to get them from one location to another in the middle of the winter um, in the Midwest. And there were more people on their tour than there were seats on the plane. And and Richie Valens won a coin toss to get to go on the plane. And he had been apparently really afraid of planes um, since he was a kid because he lived in a neighborhood in L.A. where there had been like some freak plane accident where two planes crashed into each other and then like crashed into a playground where like in his middle school. So it was just like this really freak accident that happened in his neighborhood. So he'd been afraid of planes, but he'd gotten over it because he was like trying to tour and do his thing and be an artist. And, um, you know, later died on this really infamous plane crash at such a young age. I mean, he quit high school. He quit high school to be, um, to to concentrate on his music. So. Oh, that's so tragic. I just think about like. I know. It's really sad. It's like the early era of plane travel, right? Like that it was definitely less safe. Like the plane crashes were yeah, more common. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, also it was like one of those like a tiny, like yeah. privately chartered planes and there was like a blizzard. I hope I haven't made any of y'all who are scared of planes extra scared. But yeah, plane anxiety is real. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of plane travel and I definitely have some travel coming up. I mean, it's a, it's a scary technology. You're just like in a can in the sky. Yep. Crossing like man-made borders. Yep. That are the sites of so much trauma and yep. anxiety. Yep. So that's real. But it seems like but, can't got to live our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and Richie Valens did. You know, he was like afraid of planes and he still got on them and he did his thing. And, you know, despite having a really short life, it was very impactful. And yeah. it, I mean, it, that song, I mean, La Bamba is a song that's not famous just in the United States. It's famous across right. the world, right? Like as a kid growing up in Venezuela, my mom used to sing this song. Yeah. And yeah, he's just like a, a Mexican kid that grew up in like a low income black and Latino neighborhood that yep. like made a big impact. And yep. we didn't want to go an episode on classics without Richie Valens. Yeah. All right. Well, the first uh, song I have for this classics episode is by the Fania All-Stars and it's called Quítate Tú. Ahora vienen acabando con la fan 
Love Fania. I know, right? So I have to give a shout out to my father, who I don't think listens to the podcast, although maybe I'll send him this episode. I was a little bit stumped for like what to bring to this episode because I don't listen to a lot of older music, right? I listen to stuff that's really kind of recent in the last couple of decades. So I don't, mm-hmm. there's not a lot like in my, you know, frequent playlist. Um, so I sent him an email <laughs> and was like, hey, who are your classics? Like, who are the people that you think are sort of like the legends of Latino music that have set the stage for where we are now? And he sent me this amazing email, mm-hmm. actually. Three emails. Three emails, actually, right? yeah. <laughs> With so much detail. Uh, thanks, Bob, if you do decide to listen to this episode. I mean, he's a professor of Spanish literature, but also has written a lot about um, music and Latino culture, particularly Cuban culture. So he's a treasure trove of information. I told him he should probably have the podcast about music, um, about Latino music. (laughs) So he had a lot of great suggestions, including all of the people that I brought to this episode. I already had one of them in mind, but he he reminded me of the other two. Um, So this is one of his suggestions, Funny All-Stars, because it was, it's this, I mean, they still exist today, but they, in their heyday, particularly were this collaboration of all these amazing salseros and like kind of everybody that you can imagine who was important, particularly in the music scene in New York, were part of Fania All-Stars at some point or another, including yeah, Celia, totally. Celia Cruz, Willie Colon, Tito Puente, Ruben Blades, Hector Lavoe. I mean, there's just an incredible list of people. So bringing this song was sort of a way to, to try to give a shout out to all of those people because it's really hard to pick. I mean, there's just no way to be like, these are the six people that are, you know, there's so many different types of music. Impossible. And, yeah. Absolutely so impossible. We'll keep like yeah. probably coming back to these kinds of throwback episodes um, over and over. But yeah, Funny All Stars is definitely one of those, one of those collaborations that really um, highlights so many of the amazing voices in particularly this sort of hybrid American, like pan Latino salsa genre that really blocks blossomed in New York, populated yeah, by yeah. all of these immigrants from the Caribbean, particularly like Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the DR, kind of coming together in New York in the 70s. So this is just one of the examples of that. El Gran Combo is another. I mean, there's just, there's so many, but all of these people mm-hmm. could have been brought on their own right as sort of classics and masters of Latino music and so much of what I listen to now. And I love immigrants. <laughs> I know. They're the best. I know. I know. That's a good That's a good side note because today's actually sort of a big day without an immigrant um, action. And I know in D.C., a lot of places are closed the day that we're recording, not the day you all are hearing mm-hmm. this, but a lot of um, businesses are closed today and like people are really kind of trying to to highlight how much immigrants are the backbone of this country. And like you and I would not be here right. <laughs> if it weren't for immigrants because you're an immigrant and my no. parents are immigrants and my grandparents are immigrants. So... Um, it's just yeah, incredible the, the ways in which yeah, stuff like music gets propelled forward by the combination of people from different different worlds and different musical traditions and how that just shapes so much of, of yeah, what we totally. love. Yeah, totally. And it's amazing that, you know, in a place like especially like New York City where there's all these particularly Caribbean Latino immigrant mm-hmm. communities that all came together at this really incredible time to make just like a rich musical tradition that is so distinctly Latino but also so distinctly New York yeah right yeah it's so cool and it speaks to uh, there's so much conversation about immigrants as like what we bring economically Mm. to this country and it's really hard because you know like some of us like don't (laughs) 
don't like some of us are poor some of us don't like have like a big businesses like we're not gonna all like create apple you know mm. but like there's so much more that we bring and culture is one of those things yeah. right so something like fania is such an amazing thing that that is a cultural contribution of immigrants that are really um that's really important yeah for sure this particular song, I mean, has been covered by lots and lots of Latino artists since it was um, released, including Mark Anthony has an as a version of this. It's like not very good, sorry, Mark. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then Daddy Yankee actually did a reggaeton um, song recently. Oh, okay, Daddy Yankee. Based on this song, which also like I didn't think was that good, but you know, I think it's I, <laughs> yeah. I think I appreciate that even like a reggaetonero like Daddy Yankee is going to pay tribute to these classics, right, and to the the people who came before who are part of reggaeton too, right? Like yeah. That they've influenced yeah. all and of these And who genres. are like Puerto Rico, right? Like, yeah. like huge figures in Puerto Rican culture. Mm-hmm. Totally. Love to fun you. I love this. I love <laughs> that you brought this. Yeah. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> so the next song that I'm bringing is a song that Jasmine Garst introduced to me this one time that I was an alt Latino. I love it so much. It's become one of my faves. Uh, it's called Se Dice De Mi, and it's by Tita Merelo. Se dice de mí Se dice que soy fiera Que camino a no manejo Que soy chueca y que me muevo Con un aire con padrón Que parezco leguizamo Mi nariz es puntiaguda La figura no me ayuda Y mi boca es un buzón Si charlo con Luis, con Pedro o con Juan Hablando de mí, los hombres están Critican si ya la línea perdí Se fijan si voy, si vengo o si fui Se dicen Muchas cosas más si el bulto no interesa ¿Por qué pierden la cabeza ocupándose de mí? Yo sé que muchos que desprecian comprar quieren Suspiran y se mueren cuando piensan en mi amor So, so I love, love, love this song yeah. by this amazing Argentina. I really wanted to bring her because I feel like, you know, we're both so Caribbean mm -hmm. that like sometimes I feel like we're not like doing enough justice to music from other places in Latin America. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to bring specifically this mujer who's known as um, a, a kind of a classic in in tango and milonga um, from Argentina and it's just such a good song mm -hmm. it is there's a She's lot of so like fierce I know I feel like there's a lot of shade in this too right like so shady yeah. it's so shady yeah. it would be good <laughs> for a, I love it. a shade episode again yep totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I really love this song is that it's basically about like any woman who's some kind of public figure and all the critiques that are lobbed at her basically due to just being a woman and existing in the world. Right? Like the the song and the song she talks about, you know, like they say that I'm ugly, they say that I've lost my figure, that you know, they talk about if I come, if I go. Pero por qué pierden la cabeza ocupándose de mí? Mm. Like, why are you wasting so much of your time mm. being so shady? Like, you're spending so much of your time thinking about me. And, yeah. like, in the meantime, you're critiquing me, but here you are, like, right. thinking about me. This is like a, right? and this is like a good, like, anthem for trolls, too. 
<laughs> totally. It's a great anthem for trolls. It's a great anthem <sighs> for haters. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, so, like, she, like, talks about all the things that people say about her, all the things that people critique about her, like, her voice, her cough. You know, she's like, you're critiquing me for all these ridiculous things. But then she goes on to list all the different ways that she's fly mm-hmm. and how she's never had trouble getting a man. Mm-hmm. And she's like, si soy fea, pongamosle que de eso un no me entere. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have yet to find out about how ugly I am because trust I do not have problems right. in that department. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. It, it just reminds me of the ways that women who are public figures are critiqued for everything, yeah. right? Like women on film and TV are critiqued for the ways that they look and women on radio are critiqued for having like annoying voices or like vocal fry. Yep. And it's just like a losing proposition to be a woman yeah. in this world, right? There's so no real. way to satisfy everybody. It's so real. Yeah, I mean... And I, it, yeah. this song is from 1955, so it's like it's been that way <laughs> right. since Jump. It's a helpful right? reminder. Yeah, it's a helpful reminder. I and mean, I was telling you before we started recording, like, I just released a TED Talk on Monday, which is related to, like, the other work that I do as a journalist. Hey. yes. Maybe I'll put a link to it in case y'all want to check it out. Um, and it's about racism. Definitely you want to yeah. check it out. It's about racism. And, like, immediately, like, the criticisms I got on Twitter were like calling me basically about my appearance, either calling me dumb or calling me fat. And I was like, this is just what happens when, and like also critiquing me from like my gender presentation. And like, this is what happens when you're a public figure. And like, I know that men don't get that kind of, I mean, obviously some men get critiqued for their appearance, but like, I don't think it's like the jump go-to the way it is for women. It's just, right. it's just like, it's like a schoolyard bully. Like I can't critique your argument. So I'm just going to call you ugly. I'm like, what the f-? you know, so yep. Yep. it's hard not That's to let right. that get you down. So I appreciate her. It is just being like, it you is. know what? It's a good I should be reminder. listening to this song right now. All right. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm going to use her to yeah. prop me up when I have to look at my Twitter mentions. It's like, I have to hold my breath every time. <laughs> totally. It's the worst. Twitter is a <laughs> totally. cesspool. It's horrible. <laughs> It, it kind of is. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so some of you noveleras might recognize this song from Betty La Fea. Mm-hmm. So Yolanda Rayo did a couple of versions of it, one milonga and a salsa version, which I think is really great. But it was uh, the theme song for Betty La Fea. And I didn't realize that even though I, like, know about Betty La Fea, mm-hmm. there was, like, a good decade in my life where I, like, basically didn't really watch any TV. And that's when Betty La Fea was out. Yeah. So a version of this song by Yolanda right. Rayo right. was um, was the theme song for Betty La Fea. But yeah. this version is from 1955, and it's this song is predates Tita Merelo, but she was the one who popularized it. So Tita Merelo was an Argentinian actress and a singer of tango and milonga, and she like had a film career that spanned from like the 30s all the way to like the 50s and 60s, which is considered, I guess, the golden age of Argentinian cinema. So I think one of the reasons she was such a fierce woman was because of her background. She really had to sort of claw her way up. Uh, She grew up really poor. By 16, both her parents had died. You know, she didn't learn to read until she was 15 years old and somebody took her under their wing to teach her. And she was a person who got into showbiz sort of by necessity because it was one way that she um, knew how to make money mm-hmm. and sort of rose up for that from that underbelly. She was not considered in her time to be like such an excellent singer, but like her attitude and her performance and just like her fiery and fierce sort of like sin pelos en la lengua style was really what got her to the notoriety um, that she did. And um, 
she's, I can totally see that. She's just got so much attitude and I, I love, love her. I'm so thankful to Jasmine for introducing me to her. Yeah. She's great. Does she have like a, a lot of music? Like, or is this like, she really does. Good? Yeah, she does. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She does. She's a sort of a, a like legendary, um, tango and milonga singer and, um, and movie star and had a long life and continued to like make public appearances and, um, late into her life and be, um, be sort of a public figure. So she, she had like a long career and a long life and it's, it's an icon these days. Thanks for bringing this. Yeah. What do you have next? So the next song is by Benny Morey and it's called Bonito y Sabroso. Pero que bonito y sabroso bailan el mango los from 1950 um, and this was the one that I already had in mind before my father's suggestion so I can take a little credit mm. <laughs> on my own to come up with this <laughs> um, he actually we, we talked about him on the Venezuela episode actually because the Oscar de Leon song that I brought was a cover of a Benny More song and was kind of a tribute to him so he's probably one of the oh, best cool. yeah he's probably one of the best Cuban vocalists of his era really known for his voice, um, for his boleros. Yeah, for, it's beautiful. Yeah, for the son montuno, which is another kind of genre of Cuban music, and mambo that he sang in this song, I would consider in, in the mambo genre. Um, but he mm-hmm. died pretty young from alcoholism. He had lied from liver failure, so he did his career was kind of cut short. And he, you know, he lived through the, the revolution in Cuba and chose to stay, unlike artists like Celia Cruz and other folks who chose to leave. Um, and so he mm. died He died in Cuba. And I don't know how much that affected his, the end of his career. But, mm. um, but he, yeah, he's kind of known as this uh, incredible vocalist in, in Cuba and in Cuban music. Um, I don't know if I like heard this particular song growing up, but I definitely heard Mambo and things of this era. And I know that you know my father mm. definitely likes to listen to to Benny More and and other people yeah. in this in this era. But it's just it's such a classic. He's such a classic, and you know I don't know that there's a lot of Mambo in people's like current listening, but it's it no, such a, not right? at all. But it's such a huge and important genre of music for a long time, kind of in the mid 1900s, right? Yeah, there's not a ton of Mambo out there these days. No, no, and I'm sure that. It's probably evidence of it. If we were more like a musicologist, we could like see the traces of mambo in music that we do listen to now. But I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't say off the top. Um, do you remember Mambo Number no. Five? Well, yeah. There's that. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. That's true. That's true. From the '90s or early 2000s. Yeah. Early 2000s. Uh, maybe, no, yeah. that's not good mambo. That's not good mambo. <laughs> no. Um, 
ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, another thing about Benny More, though, that, you know, goes back to what you're talking about. He's Afro-Cuban, definitely of African descent. And so is, so were a number of the people in Fania. And so were, so is the last artist I'm going to bring. And so it, it's also something that, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that so many of the kind of masters and classics in particularly Caribbean Latino music are of African descent. And um, yeah. that's not lost on us. And, you know, we did an episode early on in the podcast last year about Afro Latinx artists, but there's just so many people who've really been the foundation for music and don't necessarily get the same attention or level of fame. Like there's definitely issues around classism and racism and colorism in like Latinx communities, even outside the U.S. And so that shapes who might might be able to like Elvis popularizing rock and roll. And so, um, so I just noticed that, that in the artists I was bringing, so many of them are Afro descendant. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, especially in Caribbean Latino communities, there's such a strong Afro descendant cultural connection, right? Like at least mm-hmm. in Venezuela and I'm sure everywhere in Caribbean Latin America, like no culture is untouched by the legacy of Afro-descended people. Anything from food to music to all levels of culture. Yeah, so shout out to Benny Moray and his short but um, really impressive career and, and the contributions that he's offered. Yes. So what's your last song for us? My last song is from a really rad woman. Her name is Lidia Mendoza, and this song is called Mal Hombre. Chiquilla todavía Cuando tú casualmente me encontraste Y a merced a tus artes de mundano De mi honra el perfume me llevaste Lo hiciste conmigo lo que todos Los que son como tú con las mujeres Por lo tanto no extrañes So this song is amazing, and Lidia Mendoza is amazing. Mm-hmm. Before Selena, there was Lidia Mendoza. She's like, <laughs> so known as like La Londra de la Frontera, she was this Tejana queen, okay? Like H-Town bitches from Houston. She is was a singer, a guitarist. Uh, she rose to fame after a set of like live radio performances, which got her a record deal and where she was able to record um, a bunch of songs in 1934. And this one was from those first recordings and it became just an immediate, immediate success. I really, really love this song because it's just like about a trifling ass man and telling it like it is about him. She has such a badass. Yeah. And it was a huge deal because, first of all, at the time that she recorded this, she was 17 years old, right? So she was very young. 
And at this time, so this is 1934, at this time it was completely revolutionary and different for there to be like a Mexican solo female performer, right? Like most people had like a big band or a background or something, but she was just like a guitarist and a singer and she played solo. And um, she came from a family of migrant farm workers who later sort of switched to like busking and music as a way um, to uh, get their livelihood. And her voice and musicality really stood out in that. Um, so that's kind of how she got her start. But this song, another reason for its success, not just because it spoke to like a female experience um, that not a lot of people were speaking to. Uh, it was also a huge success because she was known as sort of like a people singer, right? Like she sang in the vernacular that poor people spoke mm. in, right? And so she was really important to the people, to especially to like Mexican and Mexican-American people uh, in Texas. And uh, this song... I don't know. I've had it on my I've had it on my radar for a long time. I was like, maybe it could be for the TBT episode. Maybe it could be for this episode. I've mentioned the possibility of a misandry episode, and this one <laughs> <laughs> would would be good for that. It could have been good for the anti Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> yes, it could have. Mal hombre. It's just yeah. like so. It's just, she's basically talking about a trifling ass man, and then she's like. Like, you did all these horrible things to me like you do to all women. So don't act brand new when I tell you this shit to your face. Okay? Yeah. Like, eres un canalla y un malvado. So <laughs> she was, like, not trying to hide anything. So mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate this. And, you know, in 1934, that was is not a small deal to yeah. talk that way about men taking advantage of you and no. to come out the victor in that situation and to say, listen, like, I, I have my eyes on you. I know what you're doing. I know that this is a systemic thing and I'm not going to go down at your hands. Yeah. So I really appreciate hey, that. And she's yeah. like a legend for real, for real. Yeah. She just has a badass look even just from the – the video that you sent with that just has a still yes. of her. Like, yes. She, yes. Like she is, she's considered a smoldering beauty in her mm. time. Mm. She was just like universally beloved by the people of Texas. I really yeah. appreciate her and I appreciate how bold she is. I think that sometimes we don't think of women in 1934 and certainly not women of color being this bold and resisting so fiercely to whack men's trifling asses but she was doing it and people loved it pretty incredible pretty great well the last song i have for this episode is by johnny ventura and it's called merenguero hasta la tambora lo mío no es nuevo no es cosa de ahora yo soy merenguero hasta la tambora Ay, 
think we brought much merengue to this podcast, but I definitely like love merengue and I'm a fan. And yeah. he's considered the father of merengue. Um, he's a Dominican Amazing. musician who's actually still around and still making music, even though he started his career in the 70s, early 70s, or 60s and 70s. Um, he actually just released an album last year called, which I love, El Viejo Ta en la Calle. <laughs> yes. And it's like a picture of him. I'm still out here, fools. Mm. It's a picture <laughs> of him next to a car. I mean, he's really not trying to like, you know, mince words there. He's yeah, like, I'm still here, like, boo. I'm on these streets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he's considered to be the father of merengue. And like, I mean, this song is just amazing. So classic. You know, and, and this goes back to what I was saying about, I mean, he's also Afro-Dominican. Um, clearly of African descent and while people like Juan Luis Guerra who's very light-skinned Dominican he's kind of seen as like Mr. Merengue now and has like most of the commercial success around Merengue um, people like Johnny Ventura are really kind of behind They're like he's sort of standing on the shoulders of someone like him so yeah know, totally to notice those dynamics for sure um, he has released over a hundred albums in his career. He's actually the most, um, has the most albums of any Dominican musician currently. Wow, which is so pretty incredible. I know, I know. And this song is basically just about being like a merengue dancer and being like, I'm going to do merengue forever. You know, I'm going to always be doing merengue. Like, this is my thing, even he when it's not popular anymore. Mm-hmm. It's true. I don't, you know, I don't actually haven't listened to the new album to know whether it's merengue or not. What if it's like reggaeton? Like, who knows? But... <laughs> <laughs> it sort of sounds like reggaeton with the title, Viejo Talnakaya, but probably, it's probably yes. merengue, I think. Props. <laughs> so I have to say that I love merengue, but listening to this song stresses me out a little bit because it's so fast. Like, merengue is one of my favorite things to dance to because it's really straightforward. It's like literally just a back and forth one, two step. Yeah, So like you don't easy. have to know much to dance to it. And I don't, I'm not, I don't have a lot of training and dancing so this is like one of my favorites but when it's really fast like you get super tired yeah that shit <laughs> so to try is to not keep going, a joke mm-mm, to try to keep going for like three or four minutes to the, I don't think I could do it so <laughs> I love it but I'm like oh god <laughs> I can already feel I like my legs getting tired I love a fast merengue I love a fast merengue it's so much fun I like you it like when tired? it's like yeah of course I get tired but it's just <laughs> so much fun that I like go for it anyway I just think that like yeah when it's like so fast that I'm almost like spinning and dizzy it's I just think it's mm-hmm. so much fun yeah you definitely kind of lose yourself in the music but maybe it's all that weightlifting you do is sort of helping you <laughs> maybe <laughs> I should start weightlifting and then I'll be able to to handle Donny Ventura's merengue um I, I learned about him that he's also a lawyer <laughs> What? It's like at a whole... Yeah, he's a lawyer, and he was the mayor of Santo Domingo for a while. Okay, So he's Johnny just like a boss. I know. He's just a boss, man, like doing all the things. So I appreciate that. A polit- politician. I think only in the Dominican Republic can you be like a really well-known merenguero and a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things can go together. Amazing. Um, thanks to my father for this discovery. I did not know Johnny Ventura before um, researching this episode, but I was really uh, excited to get to know his music. And he's got a lot of classics you all can check out. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. All right. That's our classic episode for you all. I'm sure we will continue to find different ways to highlight um, some of the musicos from the past that we love. But this is just a little dip into a few of them. And let us know who your classic faves yeah, are. I would There's love There's no way that we're going to... I mean, even all of our classic faves aren't in here. No. Right? Because like, bringing three songs each is no way to capture them. Nope. But let us know who you think we miss. We would love to hear 
who your your clásicos are. Yeah, hit us up on, you can find us at Radio Menea on Twitter, on Facebook, at Gmail, on Instagram. Let us know who your favorite clásicos are. And as always, all of the music that we featured here is going to be on RadioMenea.com. If you want more details about that or any of the things that we have mentioned uh, today during this episode. So please go check that out if you want more details about the music. And always, we appreciate if you have a review for us on iTunes. It makes a huge, huge difference. So I know we have a bunch of new listeners from the recent Remezcla list that we've been on Mm -hmm. and a couple of other lists. So Hi, new listeners. We love you. And if you uh, like our show and you can take the time to review us on iTunes, it really helps our show get in front of new listeners. Thanks for listening, amores. Cuídense. Till next time.